0: Uh, it feels good to be back. If you um, haven't been around or you're new, my name's Brad. I'm a lead pastor. It's my wife Laura, and uh, it's been a very challenging couple of weeks for us, as um, I have uh, tried to give birth to a 1.2 centimeter kidney stone. Um, and it wasn't easy. Four hospital trips and an EMSA ride. Um, and uh, feels good to be back. Uh, but I appreciate your prayers. Uh, I've got about four weeks of recovery, and uh, so we're going to do our best today. I, I'm off the pain meds, if you're wondering. So anything you hear today comes directly <laughs> Everything you hear today comes directly from the Holy Spirit, not uh, because of the pain meds. Um, although I was sitting in the doctor's office, I'm never on pain meds, ever. And I was sitting next to Laura, and I was so hyped up on those pain meds. And I was just like, man, this is awesome. Now I know why people get addicted to this stuff. This is like crazy good. Oh, but it's so bad. It's so bad. Oh, man. But it's, uh, so it's been a challenge. Um, kudos to you ladies for giving birth to babies. Um, they say that kidney stones are worse than childbirth. And I, I don't know. I just know that now I understand why men don't give birth to babies. Because there would be no children. There just wouldn't. We'd just be done. We can't handle it. Uh, we're in this serious. Uh, called um, Relationship Wreck and it's been a great series. Pastor Daniel last week talked about parenting. Was that awesome? Got a chance to listen to the podcast that if you are a parent, I'll tell you, Laura and I have four kids uh, and everything he said was so spot on of what parents need to hear and you need to go back and listen to that podcast if you, if you missed it. Uh, next week, we're going to continue. We got the uh, men's locker room conference next saturday get signed up after the service today men uh this is the women had an amazing night on friday
1: we we had an amazing time with god of refreshment and I'm, i'm still reeling
0: over it and
1: jen did an amazing job and the band just just brought it
0: yeah so man our weekend is this coming saturday starts with a card show food trucks around noon and the conference in the afternoon. You can get signed up in the lobby uh, right after the service. And then we will finish up next week. We're going to talk about charting our course and how do we lead our families. But today, if you have a Bible, let's get into the Word. I want to go today to um, Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6 is where we're going to be. And we're going to be talking about running the ship aground. Running the ship aground. Specifically, we're talking about families. Today, we're going to talk about the relationship we have in our families of, of husband and wife, of parents with children and children with their parents, and how do we keep from running this ship aground? We've had some experience with that uh, over three decades of experience. Just a
1: little bit. Four kids, two grandbabies. Yeah, we've had a little bit of experience, 32 years of parenting.
0: Yeah, long time Yeah, uh, that Laura's put up with me as her fifth child, <laughs> so... Mark chapter 6, if you don't have a Bible, you can uh, grab your mobile device, uh, go to your app store, download version. it's a great version of the Bible. I read out of the New Living Translation, but we're going to be in Mark chapter 6 and we'll start in verse 30. This is a story of Jesus um, and it says this about Jesus. The apostles, they returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and they told him all that had uh, been done and taught and then Jesus said this, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. And then the scripture goes on to tell the story of how the people chased him down to the other side of the water. And when he gets off the boat, there's over 5,000 men waiting on him, about 5,000 women and a whole bunch of kids. So. Almost 20,000 people waiting on him. Jesus had compassion on him. He taught him. And then he did this amazing miracle that you can read about. Of. He fed every single one of them with a couple loaves and a couple fish. But I want to move down after this miracle to verse 45. Verse 45 says this. Immediately after this, after the miracle, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Beseda. while he sent the people home. And After telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself. To pray, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the gift of your word, and in this moment we come to celebrate you, to hear from you. So, church, let's just begin to pray. Pray that God would speak to us individually. Pray that He would speak to those around us. If you're not a follower of Jesus, hey, I want to encourage you. Pray today. Pray. God wants to speak to you as well. He has a message for you. And then, would you pray for Laura and I as well that, um, that we would be able to uh, be faithful to the text and exactly what it is that God wants all of us to hear? And if you're ready to hear from the Lord, in Jesus' name, give me a big amen. Amen. All right, turn to somebody, and tell them we are family. And then you can sit down. and Say, we are family. Or
1: you could sing it, you know, yeah. we are family.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I don't know if you've ever gotten an opportunity to go on a cruise, but Laura and I did about 20 years ago. Uh, we, we got to go on a cruise together, and it was it was pretty awesome.
1: Oh, wow. It was awesome. Like buffets all during the day. I mean, the funniest thing is I think I just – you could just ask for anything to drink all day long. That was crazy to me.
0: The whole the whole goal of a cruise is everybody have fun, right? Like everybody let's everybody have fun tonight. Everybody Wang Chung tonight. <laughs> I mean that is the goal of a cruise is we're gonna get on here, no worries, no worries, no, no frets,
1: twenty four seven entertainment. Um, they had this Olympic pool thing. It was like Olympic games, and so we could do this. And, and Lauren
0: and I did karaoke for the very first time. And last time of our marriage, <laughs> we, did. We, we did Love Shack. Love Shack. Man, that's, there's three songs you need to Google right there in the first three <laughs> minutes of the message, okay? We are family, Wang Chung, and, and Love Shack. You know it's going
1: to be good today. Yeah. You know, you know the Holy Spirit's here.
0: So when we think of family, I think often we, we think that it's supposed to be this cruise ship experience. And we want the cruise ship experience. But that's not the reality mm-hmm. of family.
1: Right. Um, family is not always all fun and games. Um, really, family is is work. Uh, so, sometimes it's so much work that you're like, I don't even have time to eat. It's just always, there's just something about it where it's just, you want it to be fun and you want it to be Uh, this experience and in entertainment. And so when it isn't, sometimes we end up like trying to fake it. Like, I guess it's supposed to be fun because I I see other people like having fun.
0: That's what's weird is you see we have this. We're the worst in church. Christians are the worst at this, okay? (laughs) Because we think, well, my family is supposed to be perfect. and, And we're supposed to always be this cruise ship experience. And so we all fake it around each other. So you think everybody else is having a cruise ship experience, and they're not. Like you come to church and you are ripping on each other in the car, okay? Husbands and wives, kids going at it. It's like cats and dogs swinging around in that car. And you walk through the doors of the church and you're like, good morning. Bless the Lord. Yes. Praise Jesus. my soul. And your kid's like, really? Really, Mom? Because <laughs> yeah. I know what you were trying to do with that hand earlier, okay? <laughs> but it's, and when it's not. A cruise ship experience, the temptation is then to abandon ship. Absolutely. To to just kind of give up. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that uh, the family was never meant to be a cruise ship. It was never meant to be a cruise ship experience. In fact, I I would say this. I think the family resembles more of a cargo ship. Yeah. Yeah. Like like when you look at a cargo ship, a cargo ship is not very sexy. No, it's not
1: flashy. No. Um, On a cargo ship, they're working together. It's this teamwork. It's all about like the goal is is that we want to get the cargo to the other side. Like there's this precious cargo that we need to move to the other side on a cargo ship.
0: And that's exactly what we want with our families, is it not? We've all been entrusted by God. With this precious cargo, children, children with parents in, our, in, a, in a marriage relationship, this thing called family. God's entrusted us with this, and we all want to make it safely to the other side.: Yeah, like, like like to the other side of a crisis. Yeah. every family, if you haven't ever gone through how, how many of you would say, by show of hands, uh, honestly, your family at one point now or has gone through a crisis, would you raise your hand you've gone through? Most of us have, okay? You want to make it safely to the other side of that crisis.
1: Yeah, sometimes it's a meltdown in the family because we're people, and I think this is why we have to talk about this in church, that we have to be real and authentic is that because people are involved in a family, there's going to be fighting and quarreling and there's going to be meltdowns. But what we want to do is get through that and get to the other side.
0: Yeah, I think of like meltdowns like you have that two-year-old that melts down on you, and you're just like, I just want to get out of the store safely with this child right now without anybody seeing me do any harm to this (laughs) child, okay? God, get me safely to the other side. Or maybe you have a, a teenager, and you're like, God, help me get to the other side. Come on, or, or, come on. Or honestly, or sometimes you're a student here and, and your parents, they're putting these rules and you don't like the regulations. You don't like that. You're like, God, get me Absolutely. safely to the other side because I don't know what's going to come flying out of my mouth to my parents. Okay, so God, get me to the other well, side. Well, and the other
1: side can also represent that we want to get our children to the other side. We want to raise our children to graduate high school and go on and be an amazing adult. In our community, that's the other side
0: for us. Yeah, or even in a marriage, you, everybody, if you're married today, you want your marriage to make it safely to the other side. You stood up, you made some vows, and said, till death do us part. Laura and I married 32 years, and I still am on my knees and pray, God, help us to make it to the other side. So we see with Jesus Jesus his relationship with his disciples he treated them like family and and it was really almost like a a cargo ship and in fact we see an example of this late in his ministry when he was uh, before he was going to go to the cross he has this prayer he prays to the Father, and it's in John chapter 17 and verse 12. You don't have to look it up. You can write it down, but we'll put it on the screen here so you can see it. And here's what Jesus prayed about getting to the other side, about this precious cargo. He said, during my time here, he's talking about the disciples. During my time here, I what? Let's say it together. I what? Protected, protected them. them. So he protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I, I what? Guarded mm-hmm. them. So he guarded them so that what? No one was lost. And then he says this, except the one headed for destruction. Speaking of Judas and the, the great betrayal that Judas had against him as the scriptures foretold. So if we want to make it to the to other, the other
1: side. side, we have to love our family and look at the model that Jesus really modeled for us with his disciples, that kind of love, that it was big picture love, that it wasn't just, because it was hard with the disciples. Yeah, so
0: let's look at this. And I want to look at an example of this uh, that we've read earlier, but let's go back to it. Uh, Mark uh, 6 and verse 31. Laura, will you read that?
1: Yeah, it says, Then Jesus said, Let's go off. And then, it, if you can see that, uh, oh, it's not on there. Okay, Um, I'll just say, Mark 631, then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by a boat for a quiet place where they could be alone.
0: So I love this picture of Jesus and the disciples because you get this image of them that they are getting on this boat and they're... They're just headed to this quiet place, this cute, sweet, quiet place. And we have this image in our mind that it's like this nice, quiet, beautiful, moonlit ride across a peaceful lake. (laughs) But Jesus and his relationship, if you've spent any time in the scriptures, you know that, yes, there were these times of joy and laughter and peace he had with his disciples. But his disciples were jacked up absolutely. They were fighting. They were bickering. They were trying to one-up
1: each other. They were trying to prove, like, I'm closer to Jesus than you are, and it, it was tough.
0: Yeah, they disappointed him. They uh, disobeyed him, uh, fought with one another. I just think at times, there had to be times where Jesus, because he was he was fully God and fully human, and I know he never sinned, but I just think there had to be times where Jesus was just like, Enough! Like, forget it. I'm done with you. Listen, I might be the Messiah, but I do not know what to do with all of you. I'm out. I just think that maybe Jesus sometimes might have thought that. Like, I gotta, I'm got i out of this boat. I'm going to give me some other disciples to work with because these are driving me crazy.
1: Can you just see him? I don't need you people. I'm just going to save the world without you. Yeah.
0: I don't need you. But Jesus didn't do that, did he? No, he, he stayed in the boat. Mm-hmm. So if you're taking notes, I'd like for you to write this down because this is a simple statement, but I hope it will stay with you and it will stick with you. Stay in the boat. When you think about your family, when you think about your marriage, when you think about your kids, kids, when you're thinking about your parents, I want to say stay yeah. in the boat. The boat. Can we say that together? Stay, Stay in, in the, the boat. boat. Encourage somebody right now, and turn to them and tell them, "Stay, Stay in, in the, the boat.
1: boat." In a family, I mean, there is supposed to be those times of laughter and fun and bonding and and playing games and having that special time or celebrating at a wedding. Um, but there are times of conflict.
0: Yeah, like in marriage. Think of your marriage. Let's talk about marriage, the dynamic of, of a marriage in a fam, family unit. In, a, in your marriage, you've got to stay in the boat. Mm-hmm. Laura and I, the one thing that is that bothers us or bothers me specifically at times is people look at us because I'm a pastor. She's a pastor's wife. Oh, they've been married 32 years. Oh, my goodness, it's just peaceful, it's just wonderful. It's been just wedding bliss. It's been unicorns and rainbows for 32 years. Hello, hello, we're human, okay? We have run the ship aground many, many times and had, and had difficult times. Like when we, when we first got married, okay, we did not have a cruise ship when we started. We started, we started in a John boat. That's what we started in.
1: We started in rough waters. That was the thing. We actually pulled, we were driving here to Tulsa after our honeymoon. We had one quarter in the car and it was heat wave, really hot. So we'd stop for water And we went in to, we said, hey, we need water. And we went to pay for it. And they said, "Uh, it's 50 cents. We're like, we only have a quarter. So we got back in the car. I mean, that was the way we started, like, right, like the day after our honeymoon.
0: Did you hear that? Like, we were so stinking dirt broke, we couldn't afford water.
1: Now, I'm, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's a bad
0: wait. start to a marriage.
1: Yes, I was going to say, maybe I need to clarify. I didn't have money in the bank, I had a quarter to my name.
0: Yeah, we <laughs> literally pulled into Tulsa in a borrowed vehicle. We had this old VW Rabbit, right, mm-hmm. the bottom was rusted out. You had to keep a floor mat in the bottom because when it rained, the water would come up and it hit you in the face. Okay? <laughs> And we started out, when I say a John boat, I'm talking about a John boat. Maybe some of you know what this is like when you started your marriage. Like, we started in this tiny, tiny little, apartment. little efficiency. Yeah. It wasn't even an apartment.
1: It, yeah, it didn't have an, doors. You know, it had the word
0: efficiency on it. That's how, and when we came, we ate off of a card table that was borrowed.
1: Yeah. We, we actually slept on a sofa that was a pull-out sofa.
0: With the but, bar across the back. But
1: the, the best part was the entertainment. I mean, it was a 13-inch TV.
0: Somebody gave us this 13-inch black and white TV. That was from the 60s. When we came in, we timed it. You turn the TV on. It took 13 minutes to warm up this 13-inch. And we put up the ears, the rabbit ears, with the aluminum foil. Come on, anybody, am I preaching up in here? Aluminum foil people? Yeah, okay, some of you are like, what's that all about? I don't even know. Okay, Google it, okay, because some of us back in the day, it was a rough start. And then on top of that, we are both 18 years old and a few months later added a baby to the mix, so we're doing all this, and then they threw us a baby, and this is how we started. And we thought, oh, well, surely from here everything gets easier, and it, and it, it did. But the one thing that I know as we look back on 32 years, that's not the only rough season that you and I have had. That's not yeah. the only struggle we've ever had. But the thing that you and I have always done is said we're going to stay committed yeah. to one another. It does not matter. We're going to stay committed to one another.
1: Absolutely. Well, and parenting is such an up and down and it can almost seem like at times in parenting you're going from one stage to another and you don't ever you know, a, a new a new mom of, of a newborn, she thinks, I, I don't even know if I'm gonna make it out of this stage and you Definitely don't want to tell her that there could be some other seasons that are even worse.
0: That's the worst thing a seasoned parent can do is, like, look at a mom of a newborn. Like, you see somebody and they got their firstborn. The worst thing is, like, oh, firstborn. (laughs) (laughs) All right, good luck. Because, you know, by the time you get that second or third kid, you're starting to figure it out, aren't you? Like, because we have this impression. Listen, in parenting, so in marriage we've got to stay in the boat. But in parenting, we've got to stay in the boat and the pr- reason that we get out of the boat in parenting, we can speak from experience. Four kids, our youngest now, getting ready to graduate this year. So we've been parenting now for 31 and a half years, almost 32 years um, next month. And what we have discovered is that you go from season to season to season. Most people think this. Well, you know, you just give birth once. You give birth. You go yeah. through labor and delivery, and then after that, with that child, it's going to be a cruise ship experience. All the pain is over with, yeah. and it's just going to be a cruise ship. Wrong. Wrong. Talk to any veteran parent. There are a series of labor and delivery that take place all the way through that child's development. Labor, delivery. Labor and delivery from season to season, Right.
1: Well, and our first, I can remember being in labor, and I was about 10 hours in, and I uh, was just under pressure. It was excruciating. And uh, the nurse walks in, and I'm like, okay, okay, I'm, I'm going to just ask her. So, like, like, I'm almost there. So, tell me, like, how much longer? And I just kind of, I don't even know if I leaned in at that point, but uh, I thought I was leaning in. And she says, uh, oh, honey, you're halfway. I wanted to pull her over to me and say, I am going to die. You don't understand. If this baby doesn't come out, like in the next hour, I'm going to die and other people will die. There's no way. death is coming because I had hit my brink of what I could actually absorb, at least I thought.
0: So have you ever felt like that as a parent? Like you just reached your limit? I don't care if they're 2, yeah. they're 12, or they're 22 and out of the home where you have, you've reached your limit and then you realize, no, I've, I've only gotten halfway. I've only gotten halfway. Listen, you got to commit to stay in the boat, whether, whether it is in your marriage mm-hmm. or whether it's with your kids or, or it, young people you got to stay in the boat with your parents. Your parents are not perfect. They're doing the best they can. I can tell you from the parents, if they're in church, they want to raise you to, to know and do and make good choices and decisions, and you got to stay in the boat. Now, let me, let me say this uh, just as a, as a side note, because I know some of you have been in an abusive relationship, or maybe, I don't know, right now you might be in an abusive relationship, or maybe you've suffered a grave betrayal. Listen, you do not have to stay in that. You, there, there are times where you need to remove yourself from the situation, and it, it, might be for, it might be just for a season. Right. Or it might be that you have to remove yourself permanently, whether that is a child whether that is a spouse or whatever that situation is that you're in. Like, look at, look at Jesus. Jesus suffered the ultimate betrayal. And because of what Judas did, it broke that relationship. And Judas could have come back and restored that relationship, but he did not come back. And so he was, he was lost. And sometimes we lose a relationship, and it breaks you. But I want to say this to you, that if you have been in that situation, I want to encourage you to, to seek and get counseling. Don't yeah. Yeah. walk through this alone.
1: Absolutely. A matter of fact, we just want to encourage you guys, if that's you, to, to write down on a next step and uh, we'd love to have you guys come in and and visit and uh, see what your next step is because counseling is so good. It's so great to have someone professionally to help you walk through um, the turmoil of what it can feel like. But I think what I love about um, what Jesus has been doing with his disciples is that he really loved them with what uh, we call an agape love, Uh, like a love that is selfless, That is unconditional. This is different than just a family love. I mean, this is a love that comes straight from God and that literally lays down your life for other people. That's the kind of love agape love is. Yeah,
0: the reason I think so many times that we abandon ship, when we run that ship aground and we abandon ship is because we don't have an agape love for those people in the, yeah. that we're in relationship with. We have, there are different types of love. We just have an attractional love to them, and so we give up on them. Or we have, yeah. have a friendship love, and we know, well, I can just go find another spouse, or I can just find someone else. And and we don't have that deep, abiding agape love. And, and this agape love that Jesus had for his disciples, like Laura said, it, we can't manufacture Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You can't make it up. It comes from God and it's imparted by his spirit. And that's why I love what Jesus did in verse 45. Go, to, go back to your scripture here in Mark 6 and verse 45. It says immediately after this, and this is after feeding the 5,000, it says, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Beseda. And while he sent the people home, now after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills, what? by himself, to, to pray. pray.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In in other words, Jesus he needed some time to, to be alone. Yeah. He was tired. You know, he
1: we know that he was fully human and fully God, but he'd been ministering to people and he was he was tired. There'd been so many people that he was literally physically and spiritually depleted. He needed the time of refreshment to be alone with his heavenly father. Yeah.
0: So I mean Is it not true? Life is exhausting, isn't it? Turn to somebody right now and say, you are exhausting me. Okay? Come here. Just watch somebody. You want to say it, I'll give you that opportunity right now. You are exhausting me. Okay. Yeah. Because family can be exhausting. This is church. We can be real. We can talk truth here in this house, okay? But listen, here's the thing. It can life can drain you, it can wear you out, but our families deserve our best. They yeah. deserve our best. And when it says that Jesus, look at the back of the scripture, it says Jesus went up into the hills. It doesn't say to take a nap. Now, taking a nap's great. We're Absolutely. talking about Jesus actually took naps. He believed in naps. They are holy. They are sanctified. Any nap people in the house, nap people, take a nap, okay? Sometimes, honestly, we just need to take a nap. Like go in another room, just take a nap, okay? But take a nap, no. It doesn't say, hey, he went, he went up into the hills to walk. No, he, he, and Jesus loved to, to walk. It doesn't say, hey, he went up into the, to the hills to, uh, you know, veg out on, on binge watch on That's Netflix, me. you know, get caught up on Daredevil or something like that, you know. That would be his favorite show. He doesn't look anything like the devil. What is this? I'm on season four. Where is this? This is not like the devil. So, no, it doesn't say that. It says what? He went up into the hills to what? It'll say To, to what?
1: To pray. To pray. Mm-hmm. To and it pray. just shows that we all need that time alone to really kind of reload, um, to refresh. And that's kind of what we did Wednesday or Friday with the girls. We took the time to get in front of God and refresh ourselves. So
0: important. Because we're human. Like Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully human. And one of the reasons he got away is because he had a human body and he needed rest and he needed to be refreshed and replenished by the Spirit of God and needed to be replenished by the power of of God and you and I are no different. We're we're human. And so we have got to take that time to to reload and and to refresh. It's like when you when you think about a cargo ship, cargo ships uh, run in what they what they call shipping lanes. And you're probably familiar with that. I don't know a lot about shipping lanes, but basically they run in shipping lanes because a couple hundred years ago, they didn't. Ships just went wherever and whenever, and they went against the wind. They went against the current. Uh, Many times there were shipwrecks and collisions at sea. And because of that, they decided we're going to create these shipping lanes. And when the ships run in the shipping lanes, they take advantage of the wind and the currents the wind is at their back and it and it provides the best opportunity for them to get to the other side
1: absolutely and this this is why we want to say on this point is stay in the shipping lane because that shipping lane represents safety And direction. And when we're in the shipping lane, I mean, figuratively we're talking about that the shipping lane, the reason they used it is because the wind was so strong to push the boats. And there was momentum. And that's what we need is the, uh, right here is the metaphor is that the wind is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit brings strength and power and direction. That's why we need that to push us further to where we're going.
0: This is what we see throughout scripture. Throughout scripture, wind is a metaphor that is used for the power of the Holy Spirit. And so how, how do we stay in the shipping lane? The way we stay in the shipping lane is with the word and prayer. Yeah. Through the word and through prayer is where the spirit comes and blows the wind on you, empowers you, puts into you the agape love that you need for your family. And And when you don't Stay in the shipping lane. When you are not a person of the Word, sometimes you can remove the Word. You're like, what's the big deal of of reading the Word? You remove the Word from your life. If you're not in the Word, I just want to tell you this today. If you're not in the Word, you're not in the shipping lane, and you're not in position to hear from the Holy Spirit or receive the power of the Holy Spirit. When you remove that, you drift out of the shipping lane. The same thing is true on the other side of prayer. If you're not a person of prayer, if you just don't ever really pray for your family or for your marriage or take time daily to pray, you remove that and you drift out of the shipping lane and you drift out of that place where the Holy Spirit can speak to you and give you that guidance that you need.
1: Absolutely. And when we're looking at the way the disciples loved Jesus, they loved him with like more of a family love, but they didn't love him with agape love because in his darkest hour, they abandoned him. And so it's really the picture of that they had love for him, but not that love with, that comes from the Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah, they had, they had more of a friendship love. So when the ship ran aground, which it did, Jesus was arrested, they abandoned ship. They're like, well, and the, the, I'm out because they didn't have an agape love. Jesus had an agape love for them, never leaving them, never forsaking them, but they took off because they didn't have it. But what we see is... After Jesus' resurrection, and when he ascended to heaven, he said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. Yeah. And they found themselves in an upper room, and they began to pray, and the Holy Spirit fell on them, and they received that agape love, and we see this huge transformation that takes place in the disciples' life from that moment on.
1: And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. We need that wind, and we need to take advantage of that wind because, again, that wind is pushing us to the other side. It's helping us to get that cargo, that precious cargo, because we're a cargo ship, over to the other side. All the adversity, all the things that are that are bothering you, the, the feelings of failure, all these things. But this is different. The Holy Spirit could come in and speak truth over your situation and push you to the other side because there's strength and there's power and there's direction with the Holy
0: Spirit. So we need to stay in the boat, and we need to stay in the shipping lane. That's what God is calling us to do. But we also need to teach our children to do the same thing. We have a responsibility as parents. And what we see right after Jesus prays in verses 47 through 52, we won't take time to read this, but you can read it later. But Jesus, uh, he sends his disciples back into a boat to go to the other side without him. And what's crazy is he knew a storm was coming. But he put them in a boat, and he sent them in this boat right into the heart of a storm. And in the middle of the night, this storm is about to take their boat down. And these are experienced fishermen. They know the seas. They know the lakes. They know they're in real trouble. And so they cry out to God for help. And you may be familiar with this story. and You know what happens. And if, you, if you're not in church, what happens next is Jesus hears their cry, and he comes walking to them on the water, gets into the boat, and he calms the storm.
1: Well, and it's always been, like, I, I think as a kid I always read that, and I thought, why did they get so, like, scared? But I think I didn't fully understand that these men were professional fishermen. They understood storm. They had been in storms, and that, that's how bad the storm was. And so it was almost the fear was crushing them because that's how bad it was.
0: So what's the purpose of the storm? Like, why, why the storm? Well, you, what you have to remember is Jesus was a rabbi. And specifically, he was the disciple's rabbi. A rabbi is a a teacher, and you see this in this storm, and you see it in other situations and circumstances that Jesus would always set up, even with the feeding of the 5,000, he set up these teaching opportunities, these training opportunities where he's teaching and training his disciples to trust in God.
1: It was almost like he was giving them like a test after a test to kind of measure, and even the time that he was, like they were in the boat and he wasn't, that was kind of a test and to see how far they could get without him.
0: Yeah, so if Jesus was their rabbi, what I want to say to you as parents is, Mom, Dad, you're the rabbi of your home.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: The church is not the rabbi of your home. Yeah. You bring them to the synagogue. Jesus' and his disciples went to the synagogue. You need to do that. We teach and we, we train and equip children. But as parents, you have the first and primary responsibility to teach and train your children mm-hmm. to trust in God because there are storms coming in your child's life, as they are children and then as they are adults. And it's up to us to prepare them and teach them to trust in God. Now, what's interesting in this passage of Scripture, this is the second storm. There was a previous storm. In the very first storm, if you go back a few chapters, you'll see that there was this first storm. In the very first storm, Jesus was in the boat with them. Early on in the ministry, he knows, i got to be right here. So he's in the boat. They wake him up. They're, Jesus, why are you napping? Jesus gets up and he calms the storm. Mm -hmm. But then you see they progressed in their ministry, and Jesus' ministry is nearing an end. And he knows, I'm not always going to be with these disciples. And so this time, he's not in the boat with them. He has sent them out into the storm alone, and he's gotten some space from them, and he's watching them from afar before he steps in. This is such a model for us as parents.
1: Absolutely. The early stages... When your children are small, you're really teaching. This is such a strong time of modeling and giving examples. And they're, because they're sponges, you can just like teach and teach and teach. But as they get a little older, you've got to move into that time of experiencing, like, oh, You've got a a test at at school. Oh, you've got an issue with another child at school. Let's pray about it. This is how mom dealt with it. This is how dad, let's pray for grandma. And we start to teach and train them through experience of how to um, pray for situations, how to trust God, like really modeling, not depending on ourselves, but trusting in God and how he's going to take care of a situation.
0: I've seen this so many times as a pastor, and when I was, used to be, uh, when I was formerly a youth pastor, as parents would bring their kids to me when they were teenagers, and they would say, hey, will you fix them? Like, I don't know what to do with them. Because they never trained or equipped their child. I hear parents say this all the time. Why well, do I don't need to read the Bible to my kid? He's two. Because you always are training and equipping your child. Mm-hmm. It's all age-appropriate. But and I've said this so many times from the stage and I'll just keep saying it until I I am gone. You got to read the word and get the word into your kids. Yeah. And you got to start early. Get a yeah. Bible story book they understand. My favorite memories are when my kids were like two And I'm reading a Bible storybook, and they're not even paying attention. They're, like, off looking at butterflies on the wall. Crawling on your back. You know, and I'm telling the story of, you know, like Noah's Ark, and then Noah, and he got five dinosaurs and T-Rexes, and the T-Rexes tore the Ark apart, and they're not even paying attention. And I realize they're not, but that's Okay. And I'm teaching them the word and you got to get it into them and you got to you got to step in early on when yeah. they're struggling over a spelling test. Really should I pray with them over a spelling test? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that to them is a crisis. That to them is their struggle at that age. And you need to teach them, hey, you know what we do? We depend on Jesus. And as they get older, you get man, I, I remember with one of my kids, they, they had a job and they lost this job, and it wasn't their fault, but they lost their job and they were really distraught over. It and they're like, I don't know where I'm gonna find another job. And I remember telling them the story about Abraham, and we were reading in scripture about Abraham, and we went outside and we looked up and I said, like, just like Abraham, the story, and if you don't know the story, just go back in Genesis, you can read it later. But you, you look up, and there's stars, and God said, All these I'm gonna give to you, okay? And I looked at it and I said, Look at all these stars. These are all the jobs that God wants to give to you, and He's got one specific job for you, but you got to trust him and you got to look to him to help you. And then I had to step back and I had to watch my child struggle. Well, I'm not getting a job. I've applied 12 places and I don't have a job. God's not helping me. You just got to keep trusting. You got to yeah. keep praying. You got to keep seeing. Well, and I saw their frustration and I saw their, their wondering and where's God? Is he going to help me? And all this and, until finally at a point of a matter of a long period of time, that God came through and gave them a job, and then we stepped in and we recognized that parents right, right do you celebrate the miracles? do you celebrate the victories? Do your kids know that God did it? yeah do they know yeah. hey, this happened in your life because God helped you and we got to teach our kids and that I think way. the
1: temptation uh go back just a little bit is to go in and try to rescue them and and try to help when if we look at the scriptures, we look at how Jesus did it, he, little by little, he would let them try on their own like the boat. He had to let them feel the way of situations because there's more and more coming, and that's it's just part of the training process.
0: So let me just ask you this, Laura. What do you what do, you do um, if they reject their faith? Because there are parents of teenagers. There are parents of empty nesters, and I see the prayer requests all the time of a child that was raised in the church, trained in the church, and they've rejected their their faith.
1: Well, I think one of the things is uh, failure can overwhelm you because you're like I I taught my child, I prayed over my child and and so dealing with that fear and working through that and and, and hitting it with faith, I think is one of the most the first things to battle, but then also recognize if uh, you have taught them and you have loved them and you have trained them in the ways that that is really a way of paving the road, that you've already paved the road for them to come back home. That uh, you had said this um, back on vision night, that you really felt like that this was the year of the prodigals to come home.
0: I talked about this idea of this is a year of revival, and I believe God is going to revive marriages, and He's going to revive relationships with children, and He's going to revive the prodigals. So let me just say this, and we're going to pray. Maybe you're dealing with that. Maybe it's a parent that's the prodigal, or maybe it's a child, and you're like, man, I just feel like a miserable failure. How do you think Jesus felt? John 17, Jesus said, I protected them. I guarded them. Not one was lost except one. Even Jesus, Son of God, Messiah, Savior of the world, lost one. And as parents, we can feel that way. And what what do I do? And I love what Laura said there. Just remember, Everything you've done and everything you are doing is you're paving that road so that when the prodigal gets far from God and gets to that place where they're in the pig pen and, and they recognize, man, how miserable my life is, they know the way back mm-hmm. because you paved the road. Yeah. Let us pray for you. Would you just bow your heads and, Father, thank you for every parent, every child, every marriage that's represented here today. God, you know what every situation is here and you know what they need. And maybe for some of you today, you need to get back in the boat. You realize, man, I whether it's with your parents or with your children or in your marriage, you're like, I just I've just gotten out of the boat. And I need to get back in the boat. God, would you help me to get back in the boat? Or maybe you've gotten out of the shipping lane. Maybe for you today, it's just this idea that, man, I I know I need to be a person of the word, and I know I need to be a man or a woman of prayer, and I've just just not done that. But God, would you help me? Because his Holy Spirit can help you. He can help you to get back into the shipping lane. And for those of you, some of you who have the prodigal, Right now, would you just commit them to God? I know for some of you, that prodigal is your own child, but for some of you, it's a parent or it's a brother or it's a sister, and you're like, man, are they ever gonna come home? And they need Jesus, and just just keep praying. Commit again, God, I'm not gonna stop praying for them. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I wanna encourage you today to place your faith in him. You can never develop the love that you need for anyone apart from God. God is love. And that agape love that he has, he wants to impart to you. That agape love, that unconditional love, he says, I love you unconditionally. My grace and my mercy is for you today. If you're far from God or you've been away from God for a long time, right now I want you to just receive that love. Man, God, I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. I've hurt people. But God, I need your love. I need that agape love to fill me. I need to get into the shipping lane right now with you. Would you impart that love to me. God, would you forgive me? And Father, I just turn and I, I want to seek after you. And I want to be a good husband or I want to be a good dad or a good mom or a good wife or I want to I be a good son. I want to be a good daughter. I want to be a good parent. I just want to be a good friend. I want to be a good child of God. Would you teach me and would you train me? And this day, God, I commit to you. I commit to follow you today. And I believe that today, if that's the cry of your heart, your sins are forgiven. They are remembered no more. I read today in Psalm 103, and he said this, your sins are as far as the east is from the west. Your sins are no more. And the Spirit of God is in you, and he's going to give you the power now to live the life that you desire. Father, thank you for that today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.